Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Well, of course, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 14. The title of the message is The Christmas Miracle. This is the fourth in our series of messages on the Christmas miracle. And this is the very message about the very miracle. In this day and in this world, there are so many things to divide us. We're divided over economic and military power. This world is really divided. We are divided over nuclear proliferation. We're divided over world religions. In our own country, there's considerable division, perhaps more division than I can ever remember in the history of of our nation. There's division between liberal and conservative. There's the, the, the division between the right and the left. There is division over color, and there's division over culture. We live in a, a divided world today. We are way too divided. Even as Christians, we are divided. Yet there is a time of year when there is a uniting of sorts. The world comes together in peace and purpose, and we, are, we experience a uniting And in just a few days, there is going to be a silent night, and it's going to be around the world, Brother Larry. It won't just be in Tallahassee. Uh, Susie, it won't just be in Maryland when you're with your dad there. Our prayers are with you and your family. It won't just be in those places where there's snow or those places that have never seen snow. There will be a silent night around around the world. And even those who are not remotely of the Christian faith will have some sense of peace because of the message of Christmas. Earlier this month, I watched a special on PBS, um, Rick Steves' uh, visit to Christmases around the world. I think he has one of the most exciting jobs in the world. I don't want to be too many people But if I could have his job, I would like to have his job because I just enjoy going those places that Rick Steves uh, goes. And so he visited Christmas traditions in Austria. Jan and I had the privilege. And actually, uh, Matthew, who is a grown man now, and Nathan, who's a grown man, had the same privilege, but they were very, very young, of visiting Austria during the Christmas season. And it was like We were in Salzburg, Austria, the Sound of Music area, and it was like walking through uh, a Christmas card, and the hills were genuinely alive with the sound of music. He visited Austria and Germany. He visited England, and of course, he visited Italy and so many other interesting places. And as I watched, my thoughts were about how the world comes together to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, there's plenty who will speak up and say, we want to cut Christ out of Christmas and so on, but they are really, really fighting against an overwhelming tide because 
it's not just a slogan to say that Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus really is the season. And in this special, I saw them singing, men and women and boys and girls in all parts of the world singing around bonfires, reenacting the nativity, putting up the tree and seeing the children's faces on Christmas Eve and on Christmas morning. All of these things seem to be common denominators in a, in a world divided. And so when you wake up on Christmas morning, I encourage you, and I'm, I'm very serious about this. I want you to hear me. I encourage you to not to make it a news day unless there just has to be something that you have to see. I encourage you not to get mad about Obamacare. I encourage you not to get on either side, pro or, or against. I encourage you not to, uh, to be on edge about anything regarding uh, what's going on in our world today. I encourage you on one day to, to enjoy that Christmas miracle because it indeed is a miracle for all of the world to come together in the worship of the King on Christmas Day. That miracle took place over 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem, yet it is still powerful and impacts us even today. As Luke chapter 2 begins, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be, give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Our Christmas tradition is to end the Sunday morning service on the Sunday before Christmas with communion. We've already spoken of that, and we'll do that again today. But first, I want to review the miracle of Christmas that began with a simple journey. When a baby is coming, we say, or we used to say, that the woman is expecting that's what we used to say. In fact, that was, when I was a kid, that was a replacement word for pregnant. Now, I'm going to tell you how prudish I grew up. You didn't say the word pregnant out loud uh, when I was a kid in and around our Do any of you remember when that was just kind of, you don't really say that? Do you remember that? Yeah. <clears throat> a, a lot of us, <laughs> generationally, uh, can remember when our, our parents didn't use that word, and uh, although it's a perfectly wonderful word. Uh, but they used the word expecting. And uh, when we uh, would talk about a woman having a baby, is she expecting? Well, yes, she is. Expectant as parents may be, the time of birth comes at the most unexpected times. I think of the three sons that God gave to Jan and, and me. It was on a Tuesday morning while Jan was working in the garden that she began to feel a new kind of pain. And sitting at lunch on that June the 13th of 1978, she told me about it. And she said, I've had other pains like that today. It just really hurts. And I said to her, 
is it possible that these pains are coming on a regular basis? She said, well, kind of, yeah, they kind of do. And I said, you know, Jen, maybe we should go to the hospital. And sure enough, that was the day that Nathan was born. It was on Sunday night, August the 10th, and Jan was expecting back in 1980. And when we got home from church, uh, we began our post-church routine, and uh, she had an incident that sent us both to the hospital. Every one of you ladies will know what that uh, incident was, and uh, uh, there wasn't uh, anybody there to um, take care of that because it was just me and her. So um, uh, when she was well enough, she came back and cleaned up the floor. But, uh, <clears throat> but we went to the hospital that evening <laughs> on a Sunday night and uh, early in the morning on August the 11th, Matthew Curtis Ray was born to us. Then on Saturday, September the 26th, Jan was expecting again. This was in 1984. There was a youth activity going on at our house, and Jan said to me, it's time to go. We had all these teenagers at our house, and she said, it's time to go. And it was a good thing that she said something, too. They uh, put her, we took her to the hospital, the Baptist hospital, where all three of our sons were born in Nashville. And they put her in a wheelchair at the door for those who were pre-admitted. And they said, Mr. Ray, if you will, just go park the car and then come in and sign the papers and you can come on up and be with your wife since she's pre-admitted. By the time I parked the car and signed the papers and went upstairs, she was in the delivery room. Uh, we almost, almost had a child on Interstate 65 in the heart of Nashville, near where the Titans play football today. But, uh, but those were all three expectant times that came unexpectedly. That's the way that it is. Unless you have a, a planned uh, cesarean or something like that, that's the way that, that it is done, is you expect and then you're surprised. And so it was for Joseph and Mary. Here's the way that the scene had played out. There was a decree of man uh, that had been placed in the hands of God. Uh, it's always been God's plan. It was always God's plan for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, uh, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth uh, for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Joseph uh, and Mary were in Nazareth. What would possibly move them 80 miles away to Bethlehem during a time when she was great with child and she was really expecting? What would get them to Bethlehem if they were 80 miles away? Well, interesting enough, it was a government decision. You know, sometimes government makes decisions that we don't like and God ends up taking that decision we don't like and making something uh, good for us. And it was a government decision. They had to go to Bethlehem and register. Caesar Augustus, like his predecessor, had mandated that it was time for a, a census. And so the decree of Caesar Augustus was a burden for all citizens, but, uh, and it was certainly a burden on Joseph and Mary, but it was something that God used to bring about his will for the birth of Jesus. Caesar issued the order, but it was playing into the plans of the Almighty God. And is that not the message of the Bible? 
Does Romans 8, 28 not say, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, here's a perfect picture of it right here. When Caesar Augustus issued an aggravating order and everybody was, uh, was conforming to that aggravating order and God used it and Jesus Christ was born, God's will was brought to pass through a simple matter of civic duty. Here's something else that we should see. And that is that a duty of Joseph was being carried out in the course of life. Joseph and Mary were in regular, uh, involved in regular duty being uh, citizens in those times. They didn't have special duty. They were in uh, regular duty at those times. Uh, we have with us this morning Captain Adam Grant and uh, Lieutenant Luke Grant, both of the United States Army. They are involved in certain special duty. Adam actually is a captain and uh, involved in the special forces of the United States Army. But that wasn't a special duty for Joseph and Mary. It was a regular duty. The King James Version says that they were being taxed. And let me just tell you this, they were being taxed. Anytime the government wants to count the people, it's so that they'll know how much tax to collect, collect later. And so that's what they did. They were counting the people. And as cumbersome as it may seem, the procedure for this census was that men would go back to the town of their birth because men would be counted. Most transactions and decisions during biblical days were based on men. Now, that's not something that we could do today. I couldn't say, all right, uh, we're, I've been elected mayor of Nashville, and so we're going to see how many men there are in uh, the, the uh, city of, excuse me, Tallahassee. We're going to see how many men there are in the city of Tallahassee. And uh, we're going to uh, make some decisions based on the good of the community in accordance with how many men there are in the community. You just can't do that anymore. And uh, I don't particularly think that it's something that should be done either. Uh, but that's the way they did it back then. And that's why they went to Bethlehem is because that was the place of Joseph's birth. Uh, Mary was born somewhere else, perhaps, but it was all based on what happened with Joseph. Because Mary was really far along, they decided it was best for her to go along so that Joseph would be with her. And so Mary and, and, uh, goes along for the ride. Literally, she goes along for the ride. And a day of frustration turns into a, a time of joy. This is the storyline. After traveling 80 miles and what was probably heavy foot and donkey traffic. Joseph and Mary arrived in Bethlehem. All that they needed now is a a good night's sleep. That's all they need. So they go to a a hotel. We got to get some some rest here. We've just got to to get a good night's sleep. Joseph, I've been hurting all the way on this trip. I've got to lay down somewhere. And here's what happened when they went to the place uh, to spend the night. There was no place for them in the end. You ever had that to happen to you? If you travel long enough, you're going to have that happen to you. If you travel long enough, you're going to find out that the car rental that you were expecting was not a, is not available. If you travel long enough, you're going to find out that the flight that you were taking is now canceled. If you travel long enough, you're going to find out that you're hotel reservation 
is not waiting for you. The word reservation uh, for hotels and, and cars and airports can be interpreted two ways. One way is this car, this hotel, this flight is reserved for you. The second way is we have reservations as to whether or not you'll ever be able to stay in this hotel or fly this plane or whatever it may be. That would end up being just fine for Joseph and Mary, and here's why. That simple journey turned out to be the time when a son was born. In Luke chapter 2 again in verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It's interesting how an event like this will put everything else into perspective. Everything else is just absolutely placed in its place. First of all, Though she had traveled for 80 miles, though she had been hurting along the way, though she was no doubt worn to a frazzle, and when they got there, there was no place for them to stay, though all of that, she had to be full of joy. Mary's joy was wonderful when that baby was placed in her arms. Do you remember from two weeks ago how we talked about Mary bursting forth in song as the child that was inside of her cousin Elizabeth, that would be John the Baptist? As that child leapt just at the very presence of Jesus inside of of Mary, many of you know how Mary felt and to know uh, that she was carrying a child. My daughter-in-law, Lindsay, is carrying a child. Her name uh, is, she's already named, I think I've told you this, Emerson Aree. Not Marie, but Ari, which was Lindsay's grandmother's name. Emerson Ari. It's a little girl. All of you have made haste to tell me how that that little girl is going to completely change my life, and she is going to have me wrapped her around her little finger. I want to tell you something. Her little finger is barely developed, and she already has me wrapped around her little finger. She has me looking at things when I go shopping for boys and wondering if there's something really cute for girls. She has me wanting to think about dolls and think about carriages and think about little dresses. Before, when I had only boys and it was just me and a house full of boys, if I thought about dolls and carriages and little dresses, I could have been possibly locked up for those kinds of uh, thoughts. But not when a little girl is coming, and a little girl is, is on her way. Mary's baby, and the circumstances of this child's conception and birth were so unique that it would never happen again. A son was going to be born unlike any other son. Mary's baby would cause people like you and me all around the world and all across the centuries to stop at a special time each year to remember that Mary gave birth to a son. The son's birth fulfilled Mary's joy. The son's birth was Mary's joy, but I want to tell you something else. The son's birth was Joseph's reward. 
Joseph's story is that of a man who did the right thing. I just love that. You know, today when somebody does the right thing, it makes the news because it's so huge. There was a time when most people tried to do the right thing. Joseph was a man who did the right thing. As you know from our our message, I think from last week, he could have turned his back on Mary. He could have done a number of things up to and including having her put to death by stoning because they were engaged to one another and they were not yet married, yet she, quite frankly, turns up pregnant. And within the the law of the land and the law of the religion that day, he could have had her stoned. He could have had her put to death. But Joseph loved Mary. And Joseph was a man of faith. And God had confirmed to Joseph that this child to be born was a holy child. And so, as he thought about the news of Mary's pregnancy and what he would do about it, an angel appeared to Joseph and told him to believe God. And Joseph believed God. And then on this this Christmas day when this child was born, this silent, holy night when Christ the Savior was born, Mary had joy and Joseph had his reward. Some of you know about this. In this room, right now, right this very minute, there are men who are not the birth fathers of the children who call them daddy. But they are indeed daddy to those who have loved them for a lifetime. You look into the faces of those children, some who are now men and women, and you think of the memories of your lifetime, and you never really give much thought to the fact that you are not the biological father, because you've had the privilege of being daddy to that child. And God rewarded your desire to do the right thing. And God let you be daddy to a child that you would love more than you love your own life. Those children, their love and devotion to you as their father is your reward for loving them and for caring for them. You say, I don't know how I can identify with the Christmas story. All of us fathers can identify with it, getting to be fathers of children. But those of you who are daddy to someone that you were not biological father to, and you think of how much you love those girls and boys, how much you love those men and women, how close and meaningful their relationship, your relationship to them is, and you get a little glimpse of what Joseph's reward was all about. Joseph was not the birth father of Jesus, but he would be rewarded with a son who would call him daddy. I don't know that I'll ever get to 
even in eternity, get to step back in time and, and get to hear Jesus call Joseph daddy, but it would be kind of cool because that was Joseph's reward. Who was this son then if it wasn't Joseph's son? Who was this son if Joseph hadn't uh, birthed the child? Well, this is the son of God. This is God's son. Here's what John 3.16 said. Jesus said it of himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God's son. This is why the whole world waits on Christmas morning. I thought they waited for Santa Claus. I understand all of that. That's, that's some of the fun of it. But really who the world is waiting for on Christmas morning is Jesus. It's a Christian holiday. And quite honestly, regardless of whoever it was that thought it was really cute and smart to put up a Festivus pole of beer cans down in the uh, lobby of uh, our state capitol. They overlooked the fact that on the calendar it says a Christian holiday. And it is a Christian holiday because God's Son was born. This is why we can identify Silent Night no matter the language that's being sung. You've been in other places and you've heard Silent Night just like you've heard Amazing Grace. You've heard them sung in other language and you knew what song it was. And the reason you knew what song it was is because Jesus was born. This is why Luke chapter 2 will be read by uh, millions on Wednesday and millions more will hear it. And this is why we have hope beyond the grave. And this is why there can be peace on earth and even more peace that passes understanding. Mary's baby, the child who would call Joseph daddy, is actually and truly for real, as they say, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh. Amen? There it is. On a simple journey came a son's birth, and for all the universe followed a Savior's celebration. The story goes on in verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings or good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in, baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. First of all, you have some startled shepherds. These guys, <laughs> these guys got to scare their life. <laughs> there could be no more humble people for the announcement to be made to than to these shepherds. They led sheep by day and they slept with the sheep at night to guard them against harm. They were humble, but they received the first birth announcement. And by the way, that began the ministry of Jesus Christ. 
The ministry of Jesus Christ was to ordinary people, to you and me. I don't think that we have any kings or queens or princes or princesses. I don't think there are any lords of the manor or any barons here. I think that we're all ordinary people. Good for us because we're the kind of people to whom the announcement was made by the angels. Ordinary people just like me, just like you. Not many noble, not many mighty, but the simple ones like us would be called. The upper crust may partake, but the crumbs of society would get the news first. There's a lesson to be learned from the birth announcement going to the humblest of people. Maybe we should be a little less eager to impress and more ready to be real. I think that what's happened in our world today is we absolutely, positively want to impress. Who? Well, that all depends on the circles in which we run. But we want to impress. Look, when we come to the fellowship of the family of God, let's bring our our real selves, because really we're more like the shepherds in the field than the rulers in the palace. That's just the truth. We're just more like them. We're closer, actually, to being like that guy that stands on the corner that has the little cardboard sign that says we'll work for, for food. We're actually more like that person than we are uh, the, the, the princes and, and uh, the potentates of the Arab world. We're closer to one than we are to the other. The news about Jesus born in a manger was good news. He wasn't born in a tower called Trump. He wasn't born in a, even in a hospital or a fancy place. He was born in a manger, and for that, God said, well, let's just go ahead and announce it to the shepherds first because this is going to be a shepherd kind of a, a ministry. The shepherds were startled, but the angels were happy. They were happy angels. Good news of great joy. Think about being the first to tell of Jesus' birth. Think about that. Can you remember back when you were a child on Christmas Day, can you remember being the first one to wake up in the house? Can you remember? I, I remember that I was the first one to wake up in the house, and as you know, I'm the last of nine children, and I, I slept in the bed with my brother Butch. I slept with my sister Jean up until I was six, and then I graduated to sleep in the bed with my brother Butch. That was a happy day for Gene. It was a sad day for Butch. And I can remember on Christmas Day waking up and it'd still be dark outside and I would shake Butch and I would say, Butch, Butch, it's Christmas. I never remember as a child, someone waking me up to say, it's Christmas. I remember always waking up. And we both would get up when we would wake our, our parents up and we'd wake everyone else in the, in the house up. It was, it was Christmas and I usually got to say it first. The good news, it's Christmas. Can you imagine being one of the angels? 
they got to come out there first and say, a Savior is born. <laughs> it's Christmas. Oh, everything's changing now. It's Christmas for real. On this celebration day, there were startled shepherds. There were happy angels. There were some wise men. It's true that not many wise and noble are chosen, but I'm thankful that the Lord does allow for some to be. We use these, he used these three wise men who have, we've come to know as the Magi. Here's their story from Matthew chapter 2 and verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and asserted from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it, was, uh, when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And they being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed in their own country by another way. The Savior of the world would be celebrated. The Savior of the world would have gifts fit for a king. Angels were happy. Wise men followed the stars. Shepherds made their way to the scene. It's just almost overwhelming, isn't it? This is the birth of Jesus Christ. And all of what we've said can be summed up into this one phrase that the angels said, glory to God. That's the big deal on Christmas Day. Never was it said better or with more meaning than from the King James Version, where Luke chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward man. Would you read that with me, please? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Christmas is Wednesday. We all have our traditions. My wife and I have learned that as our children grow, the traditions change. Traditions become suggestions. <laughs> but could I tell you this? There's one thing that will not change ever. And that is that on Christmas Day, there's glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward you. You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, Dr. Randy Ray. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.